Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. First cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's Open Championship. Joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. Hello, Greg. Rick, uh, great to be here. Yeah. Great tournament we have going on. Uh, boy, I, I would not want to be a weatherman in Scotland or, or in England. Is that the hardest job in the world? Boy, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think about, think about if, okay, being a weatherman in the UK versus being the weatherman in like Southern California, like I could be the weatherman in Southern California right now without right. studying. Right. I could just, just throw me on TV right now. I'll give you the five day. Right. It, you know what it is. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could pre pre tape it. Yeah, I could I could tape for the year and go on vacation. Yep. All right, we'll do. Let's do what you got to do. One segment for June. It's going to be gloomy out. Okay. June gloom. Uh, not in not in Scotland. It's it's tough. So I think that played a really big role in this uh, day today. Um, we you know you didn't quite you got a little bit of rain. You got a little bit of wind. I mean a little bit, but okay. those things were. All week, it was looking to be significantly worse today than it was. And it was very calm weather. And some guys were able to take advantage of it. It's just question is, were they the right ones to make this a really interesting final round Sunday? A lot of golf left to play. Uh, important golf. But uh, it, it doesn't look like the right guys made the run to make it tight. I See, I hate to complain. I hate to complain on the eve of the final round of our last major championship of the year. And, but. I, and, I, <laughs> and I wish nothing but the best for Brian Harmon in his life and his career. But I can't have a guy, anybody for that matter, with a five-shot lead going into the final round when in second is Cam Young, in third is John Robb, and in fourth is Victor Hovland. Yeah, it's a, a it's a great board, and and they're playing really well, or, or did today at least, right? Hovland and Hovland and Rom, the move they made today was spectacular. Um, but I just, I I don't know if it puts them in the best position to win tomorrow. Now it could, right? If you chop the top of this leaderboard off, now it really could, uh, but it. Well, I know we're going to get to what the outlook is. 
And this is not over, but it feels like it's over. Well, it feels like it's over because the guy who entered Saturday with a five-shot lead exited Saturday with a five-shot lead. His name is Brian Harmon, a Sunday 69 in which Greg, tell you what, started a little slow. Um, bogey on one, bogey on four, two over through four holes. And remember, John Rahm, who we'll get to, finished the round of the week and the round ever played at the open at, at Royal Liverpool, like as Brian Harmer was walking to the first tee, which is awesome. And yeah, great for the, the mental anguish for him. You know, Harmon through four holes was hovering that thumb over the eject button, just hovering it did not press it. However, no, uh, in fact, did just the opposite because not only did he recover uh, the, the two bogeys that he made gets out of the front nine, even par, uh, but he ex extends it on the back nine with uh, some really good shots. And he made a really nice putt at 13 as well. But, you know, there, there's a couple things. One, I thought the hitting the fifth in two was really big to kind of settle the nerves, put a circle on the card, get back to nine, kind of re take control of this thing uh, where all of a sudden you're in a position where you hit one great shot like you did on number nine, you know, one great shot. Uh, an easy birdie and now you're sailing again. And, and even if he was at 10 under, he would be feeling like he did his job today. Uh, but to, to add the two on the back really solidifies this. And I, I think it changes the game plan for tomorrow, which in a strange way is exactly the game plan that Brian Harmon plays with, right? He's, he's kind of like an old school guy in a lot of ways where he's accurate off the tee and he drives it really straight. Uh, that little baby draw off the tee. I mean, hitting a draw with a driver is an old school thing for the most part. Uh, he does that. And he finds fairway. Uh, his, his short game and wedge play is really solid. And, and his putting is rock solid. You know, that four to eight foot range. Uh, he didn't miss a single putt inside of 10 feet today. That's not unlike Brian Harmon. So these kind of things play right into his hands. Uh, and I guess the reason I call it old school is there. They used to say all the time, you got to be really good. And they still do to some degree. It's just not necessarily what you see at the highest level, but you got to be really good with five clubs, uh, the driver, uh, your, your wedges and your putter driver, the three wedges, and your putter. And if you're really good with those clubs, you're going to shoot really good scores. And that's what Brian Harmon does. And and that is the perfect way to play uh, the final round with a lead in any tournament. Yeah, I think that you know a lot of the conversation coming into the week was about off the tee play and how that was going to take hold of Royal Liverpool. And I think at least the way that this board is shaping up through 54. I think it's, it's, it's kind of lives in the extremes, which I think makes sense. Brian Harmon, short, very accurate. Then you've got Cam Young, John Rom, Victor Hovland, who are like elite bombers of the golf ball. Yeah. And it's really those middle guys where they don't hit it straight enough or they don't hit it long enough, or they're hitting it into those ranges where all that trouble lurks that are in kind of the worst spot. You know, either either you have to take it out of play somehow 
uh, Carrie yeah, got to go over it or <laughs> short of it. <laughs> short of it. And that is like what the top of this board looks like. And, it, you know, um, so Brian Harmon is accurate enough where, and he did this, I believe it was on 16 today, where, you know, driver brings the bunkers right into play, but not when you thread the needle and you hit it right down the middle. So he's shown the ability to do that. But when you look at a young Aram and a Hovland, those guys have the club head speed where they can still decide to go over or shy of the bunkers. But the big advantage is if they lay up, they have club head speed that allows them to, you know, still have from like 190. 190 is a long shot for most people, but it's a short to middle iron for these guys. So, you know, there's still, and that's what Tiger did. You know, he used his club head speed advantage with the second shot instead of with the first shot. So it gives you more options when you have that club head speed. Um, you can still club down when you need to. Uh, John Rahm hit a couple of tee shots today right over everything that set him up for some really easy approach shots, which was a different strategy than he employed earlier in the week. So, yeah, it, it is a nice mix, Rick. I think you make a good point. The uh, If it wasn't already, the storyline now, 54 holes uh, in the books is it's it's Brian Harmon to me, right? He is either going to get a, a coronation on Sunday in which he will get a claret jug and hold, you know, give it a little, give a little smooch on the, uh, on the 18th green there, or he will, uh, have one of the biggest, uh, I don't want to say meltdowns. Even if he, even if someone chases him down, it'll just be one of the biggest leads ever coughed up. Uh, in the final round of a major championship. So however this ends up shaking out, Brian Harmon's the story for me. He is the story. And you start to just do a little bit of math here, right? He, even par would require Cam Young, mm-hmm. no one else. It would require Cam Young to shoot 500, catch him 600 to beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, he shot 500 today. So is he going to shoot 10 or 11 under on the weekend uh, of a major championship? much more wind in the forecast for tomorrow. Again, take the forecast for what it's worth. Um, But, you know, this is expected to be the windiest day headed into the week. So even par really rules out a lot of guys. You think about it. So Cam Young, is he going to go 10 or 11 under on the weekend to catch or pass uh, Brian Harmon? John Rahm just shot 63. So is he going to go shoot another round like that on, on Sunday? It's uh, it's possible. It's John Rahm, one of the best players in the world, but it's very unlikely. Victor Hovland did all of his work today, right? He shot, he shoots five under today. Is this going to be a ten or eleven under par weekend for Victor Hovland? Possible, but unlikely. And then when you start to go down into the um, you know lower, like you look at the four unders, and it's it's Alex Fitzpatrick, not Matt. Alex Fitzpatrick and Shubanka Sharma. You know, and I, I don't see those guys winning the open, period. So you really, an even par round from Brian Harmon thins out this field to just a couple of guys who can make a run and have a chance. And, and it's unlikely, you know, it'd be an all time round. Yeah. So to recap, to recap and make sure I understand if Brian Harmon shoots even par, someone would have to have a pretty historic round to get to him. If yeah. he shoots one under, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
So, so the path to someone not named Brian Harmon winning is for Brian Harmon to shoot something over par. Yes. How likely do you think that is? I mean, unless the scoring average is over par, right? I mean, how, how, how often does Brian Harmon lose shots to the field and what's the path? What's the, I mean, he knows, keep it out of the bunkers, man. Keep it out of the bunkers. So you got bunkers and OB you got to avoid. Um, The OB, like he did on 18 today, he can avoid. I guess the, the path is, yeah, it's avoid the bunkers, avoid the OB and try not to, you know, hope you don't get unlucky bad lies in the rough where you got to pitch out sideways. But, you know, which hasn't happened a whole lot this week. You know, even when guys hit it in the fescue, they've had a pretty good chance of getting it around the green. And that's ultimately what Brian Harmon has to do is get the ball around the green in two. And he's really good from there. Uh, But it is possible to, without anything egregious happening, it's possible for him to shoot over par. Especially if it's windy, right? You, You miss... You get a couple of um, things go sideways early like they did today, but you have somebody making a run and getting really close. Pressure really starts to mount up. And, and then you start putting pressure on the putter, which is a strength of his. And I don't feel like he's going to start coughing up six footers. Where there are other players, many other players on tour, where when when they're in that you know inside of ten feet, you don't feel very, you don't feel fully confident. Some of them are stars. Brian Harmon, I feel really really solid about him, uh, in, anywhere inside of ten feet, and that's going to be the biggest challenge. That maybe that's where you see some nerves kind of really creep in, where he misses some of those short ones and gives a few away. If he does it, it'll be his third PGA Tour win. Obviously, his first major. You want to play the game where you tell me what his other two wins are? Uh, the John Deere Classic. Yep. Do you remember what year, by chance? Uh, why do I think 2000? Is it 16? Close. 14. 14. Oh. He beat He beat his uh, about-to-be Ryder Cup captain, Zach Johnson, by a shot. 14 was... I'm not kidding. It was in my mind. And I said, no, Spieth did it that year. But Spieth was 13. So I I, uh, stepped all over my toes there. All right. That's why. The other was. Why do I want to say the Sony Open? See, this one's actually, I think, a lot more difficult than it should be. Because the event was played at a course that it's not normally played at. Oh, I remember the Wells Fargo at at Eagle point Eagle point because that was the year 17, 17 where they used uh, quail hollow for the PJ. Yeah, that was a good hint. I knew that I just, it, so that one always like, so when I, cause when I think of Wells Fargo, I start rattling off the names in my brain of guys who want at quail hollow. Right. And I always forget Brian Harmon because he didn't win there. Yes. Yeah. He and do you know who in the trivia game? Do you know who the other player who won the Wells Fargo not yes. at Quail Hollow? Yes, it was TPC Potomac Max Homa. Yep. Yep. That's Boom. right. Nice. Boom. How about that? <laughs> All right. Brian Harmon, five shots clear heading into the final rounds of the 2023 Open Championship. The chase pack filled. Uh, five back is Cam Young, six back John Rahm, seven back 
Victor Hovland and a group of others. Let's let's go to Cam Young here. Five under 66. Um, I have been so impressed with this guy. Uh, I thought, you know, coming into the week that he was he was trending in the right direction. It is, you know, if it ended right now, it would be another one of his infamous runner up finishes, Greg, at at another different golf course, right? We've talked about the diversity yeah. of golf courses that that he has uh, had these runner up finishes on. And I listen, this, this could have been even lower, man. He was, he was great today. Yeah. He, he missed a couple of shorter, shorter putts, right? 17. He missed one. He could have had, um, a, I believe, uh, 11 as well. Uh, and seven. So those three holes, he had opportunities to take it really low, but, um, but all in all, it was a really impressive round out of him. So that's why you see him lose some strokes putting, but he, he did at the same time, make some really nice putts as well. Um, and you know, I like this thing that they have on, on, um, the open website where they tell you where he made what the ranges that he made his putts from. So he made a couple from that 10 to 20 foot range. He made two of those and he made one, um, that was, uh, I believe this was his longest part of the day, 30 feet, 10 inches. So he still got a couple of bonuses despite the short misses. Um, but but really, this is a story of ball striking for him today, where he's, he's ninth off the tee, leads the field today in strokes gain approach, uh, and and is the guy that makes this move to that was kind of in the chase pack, right? Coming out of the Peloton, he, he is the, the biggest mover, of the guys that were under par heading into the day. So really good stuff from Cam Young. And he's kind of turning into like an open championship guy, right? These are St. Andrews is one. When I think about the course comps, like open championship history, I almost put St. Andrews aside. Louis Oosthuizen is a great example. You know, you think he's got a great open championship resume. But really, it's a great St. Andrews resume, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so for Cam Young to do this here, it, it kind of changes the the mantra. It's almost like he he's proving to be a really strong links player um, that's a little more well-rounded than just St. Andrews, which which fits his game perfectly. The podiums that he has posted on the PGA Tour, the old course. Riviera, Austin Country Club, Detroit Golf Club, Southern Hills, TPC Potomac, Country Club of Jackson, Harbor Town, Albany, if you want to go to the Hero World Challenge. I mean, that is, that's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, you know, even TPC Potomac was in the rain. You got a little weather here uh, coming out. He's, he's just really well-rounded. And it's really impressive. Now, there has been, since the match play, a little bit of a fall-off, right? I mean, that was the first tournament where Paul Tesori gets on the bag with him, and he makes nine threes on his very first nine with Paul Tesori on the bag, and it looks like we've found another world beater, and things really slowed down since then. Um, But he played some really good golf at the John Deere Classic. Uh, which yeah. seemed to, even though it's the John Deere classic and you know, you would have liked a better Sunday out of him and you think that he should be able to win that event. I think that was a really big confidence builder for him. 
and it's it's really nice to see him carry that form right in here to a major championship where he's beating everybody in the field except for except for one guy so hard to win these things um the guy who made the biggest move is one of the biggest names his name is john rom and he went out early greg and fired is that a typo no 63 eight under 63 there had never been a 64 shot at royal liverpool in the open championship so rom said i'll do you one better i'll come in in 30 and shoot a 63 to move up 36 spots now solo third now solo third right there in position and you know i thought at the time that this was a sign that a lot of guys were going to be moving on the leaderboard today uh, and so uh, because of the because of the weather because of the conditions but we started to get a little rain uh which changed the conditions a little bit and guys started kind of petering out but john rom didn't and what he did on this back nine that was so difficult yesterday you know i mean how many rounds were just completely derailed with difficult back nines yesterday and he goes out there and and shoots 30 it, it was incredibly impressive uh, got a little momentum going with a with a nice birdie at at the par five, uh, fifth where he made a nice putt from ten feet, which kind of set the stage because that's what he did the rest of the way. He made everything. Uh, the the putts that he hold were absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know he made four putts from ten to ten to twenty feet, uh, which was just really good. And he made he made four putts outside of twenty feet. Uh, between 20 and 30 feet. So that's kind of how you get this round going. Now, he keeps getting off to these slow starts, you know, and it's it's tough. And I thought he played very conservative in round one and was kind of waiting for this to happen, where the putts start to fall. I just, I, I wonder if he just waited a little bit too long. And I also wonder if that strategy works again tomorrow do you employ the same strategy he you know he hit it to 20 25 feet a lot it wasn't like he was uber aggressive he did hit driver a few more times today um but it wasn't like he was super aggressive attacking all the flag sticks he just converted all the all the opportunities which is obviously great to see but do you lean on that again tomorrow i i don't know what he'll do this round, he gained 7.43, I believe was the final number, strokes to the field, which will end up being, yes, indeed, the best single round of John Rahm's major championship career. Just edges out the 7.39 that he gained in round one of the Masters. Obviously, uh, in 2023, he would obviously go on to win that Masters. So it, it's, you know... All these guys are going to look up and say, I had these ceiling weeks, ceiling rounds, chances, and I never sniffed Brian Harmon. Yeah, it's crazy. But you ha you look, what, what Brian Harmon did in the Friday round, and those those two rounds of what 67, 65 for him in the in the two openers, but he hold everything that he looked at and in round one, he was really steady and really consistent and, and put himself in the lead. So, you know, you jump off to that start, then the game changes. Now, 
for John Rahm, the pressure is off today. You want to go play well, but all the pressure is internal. And all of a sudden, you just see what you see what you can do. See how many birdies you can make. Uh, and he made a ton. But I, I do have a feeling tomorrow is going to feel a little bit different. Um, it's just, it's really hard. You look through this round and it's hard to replicate. You know, it's not like he's driving it so well. He's giving himself little pitch shots. The golf course doesn't allow for that, right? It doesn't allow for you to just take advantage of the par fives and eat those alive. And all of a sudden you're, you can shoot seven under, you know, this is a par 71. That's a real par 71. And I think that makes it challenging to replicate around like this. There's there's trouble around the the greens that you know you have to avoid. You got to play a true major championship type round, tee to green, and he did that today, and and just happened to make a lot of the putts. So it it's great. It just feels hard to do again. Yeah. The other uh, big name kind of lurking just in that that second tier is, is Victor Hovland. He shot the best round of his week. It was a Saturday 66. One bogey on the card. That was on the second. But he goes out in 33, in in 33, added up, like I said, 66. Um, this is now becoming a really, I mean, a trend here, uh, Greg. We've got Victor Hovland in the top five or top 10 late at a major championship. He's got... Uh, well, he finished 19th at the U.S. Open, but before that, it was T2 at the PGA Championship, T7 at the Masters, T4 at this event last year in which he was in the final group. Uh, we've been talking about this a bit, but he is he's solving majors. Yeah, they don't seem to... They're, they're not a different event for him now. I mean, in fact, this year, they've been the better events for him. Right. Like, you know, he's getting ready for the majors, which is great to see. Um, but he's playing a lot smarter which is an interesting thing. But, you know, what John Rahm did and what Victor Hovland did today were not dissimilar. Rahm made a few more putts than uh, than Victor Hovland did. But Victor gave himself 20-foot looks all day. You know, he, he kept hitting it flag high 20 feet. I was so impressed with this round of ball striking. I, I know in the strokes game category, he ends up uh, 17th. Strokes gained approach the green, but I thought, especially on the back nine, a lot of those approach shots he hit were really high quality. Um, and this, this kind of golf course suits his game because it is so demanding off the tee. He's very good in that category uh, and, and is um, obviously a great iron player too. So it's really good stuff from Victor. I, I'm hoping he can keep this up tomorrow and, and push and be there in case, in case of a stumble. Yeah, it'll be. There are some interesting groups. We can um, talk about those as well. But it's going to be. Let's see. Harmon is going to go out with uh, Cam Young. Rom and Hovland will go out together, which is pretty sick. And then second, yeah. it'll be Rosner and and Day and everybody else after that. But um, we'll continue this conversation. We'll hit, hit the notables and and give you a little prep for tomorrow's final round. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's hit a couple of notables here, Greg. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood was in that final pair. And between he and Brian Harmon, there, were, there weren't a lot of fireworks. Uh, Brian eventually got it to two under. Fleetwood in at even par 71, which was a birdie on two, a bogey on 10. And that was it. Not the moving day Tommy Ladd was looking for. No. You know, and when you have... Brian Harmon on the kind of on the ropes, right? He's you, you've made up three shots on him in the first four holes. And that's the opportunity to really pounce, but he just couldn't get any, any momentum going because he couldn't get any putts to fall. You know, this was the longest putt that he made all day was not surprisingly, but at number two uh, and, and it was nine feet, two inches. You know, he, he doesn't make one putt outside of 20 feet. And just like we talked about with John Rahm, you can't necessarily just go uh, stuffing it in there all over this golf course. It's a major championship test. It's difficult. So in order to make that move, you got to get a couple putts to fall. And he didn't. He didn't get anything to go. He didn't give any away. He didn't really miss any shorties. Uh, maybe there was, a, I, I think he missed a, a seven-foot look on the back nine, maybe on 11, um, which was a little frustrating. But ultimately, he hit the ball pretty nicely. He gave himself chances, although they weren't great chances, but he never made one to get the momentum going. Uh, and, and it always felt like it was an eye-roll day, even though he really, he, I mean, he hit the ball pretty nicely. Gave himself a lot of chances. Just, yeah, just never. And, and you know, the fans were were dying to to, to carry him across the finish line. Right. And he never really gave them a chance to get, you know, full throttle. This um this 71 felt a lot different than yesterday's. Yeah. Right. Because today's the day to go take advantage, right? Take advantage of the light wind and, and easier conditions. Uh, and and he wasn't able to do it again. I I really think that just you know one big moment early in that front nine could really lit lit a spark. Even if it's just making four at number five, right? He makes birdie there. This starts to feel a whole lot different if you're two under through five, and maybe that gives him a a spark where um where where he can really make a move. But it, he was he was never on the you know as um. As Paul McGinley says, he was never playing on the front foot today. Mm. He's kind of playing on his heels a little bit because he just couldn't get anything to go. Yeah. The Rory McElroy round started great. Remember, you know, this morning we had just, we, we had seen, we are watching what John Rahm is doing to this golf course. And you're saying this is the blueprint 
for somebody to go and shoot a 63, go and shoot a 64. And Rory makes three birdies in his first five holes. And we're having flashbacks to just moments before of what John Rahm did. And that was it. Three birdies through his first five, played the final 13 at one over. It was 12 pars and a bogey on 12. And the just stalling out for the final two thirds of this round um, doesn't give Rory any momentum. He's going to head, head into the final round T 11 at three under par. He very easily could have been five under through five. Yeah. You know, those approach shots he was hitting. Um, I think he missed from 11 feet on two and nine feet on four. Maybe that was the other way around. Uh, but, but very not, not must make, not, it's okay to miss those every once in a while, but you're, they're very good looks, you know? And if, if he's four under through five, think about the, the buzz around Rory at that time, which was still there. Cause he was hitting beautiful iron shots and he, he kind of wasn't able to replicate that. You know, he hit, started hitting it to 40 feet a lot. Um, and struggling a little bit more on that back nine. He did give himself, more looks. I mean, he, he had a good look at, um, at 17. He had, he had a couple of hands on the knees moments, but it, it stalled out after that. You're absolutely right. And, and there was nothing really to lean on still a hard fought, well-played major championship round. It just looked like this was going to be different. It, he had that look, uh, it, his swing was, he was so confident with it. You could tell. And it looked like okay, this is good. This is my time to, to get something going here. And it just didn't materialize. No, it, it never did. Um, you know, looking at this board, again, this this feels like it's going to be kind of a, a Brian Harmon uh, coronation, and we can get to the odds board in a second. But is there anybody else here that you think we should talk about? I mean, Jordan Spieth didn't have much going. He shot an even par 71. I was a little bit surprised to see Minwoo go backwards a 72. Fowler and Patrick Cantlay are going to improve their, you know, Wikipedia results with a couple of 67s. I mean, is there anything here that we should dive a little bit deeper into? Uh, you know, Fowler and Cantlay are interesting. They played nice rounds today. Um, but again, just n absolutely no pressure. Um, Cantlay hold hold some really nice putts. Fowler made well, I think he made four birdies, no bogeys, and they were all inside of 10 feet. He hit it really nicely. Still didn't take advantage of any of the par fives. Um, but but ultimately, the story on this board to me is rounds that got off to really good starts that sputtered out. And it, it looked like everybody was going to be making John Rahm-like moves, Cam Young-like moves, and and they didn't. They teetered out. And now where these stories would be really interesting if Cam Young was our leader at seven under par, you know, they they lose a little bit of their interest and importance because of Brian Harmon. Um, and all credit to him, because that's what you're trying to do when you play in a golf tournament. So he's doing the right thing. But you know, it takes it takes these guys out and they had chances to get themselves into the mix. Not Cantlay and Fowler. They were too far back uh, to start. But the, the players that were under par heading into the day had a chance to put a little bit of pressure on them, get themselves within striking distance, and, and many of them on the back nine teetered out. 
the w- one thing before we get to the board, uh, the second best round of the day was from Alex Fitzpatrick, not Matt Fitzpatrick. So he flies up the board. He's now T9 thanks to a Saturday 65. I did not look, but are, is there some path to him getting status this week? Uh, well, he could win. Well, besides winning, I mean, can he earn enough FedEx cut points to get special temporary membership status? I, I don't know how, I mean, he had the Zurich classic. Yeah. What do you play? One, he play one other. Uh, that might actually have been it. I think that I think that's it on the PGA tour. So he's got he's got the T19, which is probably not a lot at the Zurich Classic no. split. I mean, that's nothing. But I mean, this is a what 600 FedEx Cup points. Yep. Um, and I would have to look up what the guy. So at second, get to 350 or or 400 or so. I know in a regular event it's 300 to second. Um, which is pretty close. That's pretty close to special temporary status and and wouldn't now does does this work in the same would a top 10 get him into 3m next week uh yes so maybe if it, even even if finish t9 you don't get all the points you need you play next week play well again tell you what there's a path right and then you get special temporary status gets you um unlimited starts through the end of the calendar year Right. So it's not like, well, okay, you get special temporary status for two events. You know, you, know. you'd get it for the whole fall series too, which gives you that pathway to earn your card full time uh, next year. So, yeah, it'll be, it, it's a good story to watch. The top 10's the number for him, though. He, he's got a, a top 10's big. T9 right now. Yeah. He's right there and confident. He looks like, he looks like a tour pro. You know, it, he belongs. It's good, really good stuff. Beat Big Bro by two shots today. They both had. They've actually both. And had Big nice Bro days. played well. Yeah, they both had nice days. They both moved up the board. Um, oh, and Joseph in the chat points out top ten also gets him to next year's open. Remember, he qualified. He had to qualify for this one. So top ten. Right. Yeah, which is huge. Big. See now. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm going to try not to like rage about the coverage before the coverage even starts, but. This is a five shot lead for Brian Harmon, and in all in all likelihood, a determined like they can start engraving his name on the Claret Jug right now. So this is the stuff I need to see, right? I need to see right. Alex Fitzpatrick trying to finish inside the top ten with the implications of that. I want to see that Victor Hovland John Rom group is going to be a, a a matchup that people are going to be interested in, right? Like there are yeah. so many other storylines, and I'm worried we are going to watch. Brian Harmon put a new lip in every, you know, every 15 minutes and uh, talk about everything about his hunting and whatever. Right. Right. Little stories on that. Look, they, you got to spice it up somehow. Um, you could see what the story, how the story unfolds for the tournament. Cause like I said, it's not over. It's just on unlo- highly likely that it's a Brian Harmon coronation. Um, but those things, will make it much more interesting getting to root for Alex Fitzpatrick for something, you know, that that's a really cool thing. And we should know what those exact details are. So I, I hope they do the same thing because the storylines exist. The storylines exist. Uh, yeah. Let's look at the odds, Josh. Thank you. Kindly Brian Harmon. 
That Brian Harmon with 18 holes to go is minus 200 to win the Open Championship. That means you have got to put down 200 to win 100. A pretty significant favorite, especially for a guy with two PGA Tour titles. John Rahm has the next shortest odds, 7-1. to one. Cam Young, 7.5. Big gap to Victor Hovland and Tommy Fleetwood at 22-25. and 25. And there are only three, so besides Brian Harmon, there are only three, four, five, six, seven, eight golfers, eight other golfers that are shorter than 250 to one. Wow. So who do you think on this board? This is so, (laughs) because I I have an answer to this. All right. To me, there's one guy other than Harmon Mm -hmm. that is playable here. And the reason I like this is it's a total and complete flyer. Um, but I think that anytime you go with this guy, it's a total and complete flyer. It's Sep Straka. I mean, Sep is seven back uh in tied fourth. And so on. he is he is two back of second. He is because two this, back of second. This will require Brian Harmon to exit stage left. Yes. Okay. And again, I think any I think for Cam Young to win, it pretty much has to be maybe not exit stage Agreed. left, but it has to be a pretty bad round for anybody else. So if you're not going with Brian Harmon, you're you're banking on a, a you know a, a step couple steps backwards from him. And I do think Sepp Straka could get to ten under. So could Brian Harmon shoot seventy three or seventy four? Yeah, it's possible. But Sepp has just showed this ability to go crazy at kind of odd times. Um, he hit, he has plenty of distance. His iron play is really strong. And since he made that adjustment after round one of the John Deere Classic, that putter can catch fire. So he, he's the guy on this board to me that can go play unconscious and shoot a crazy low score. He only shot one under today. A lot of the other guys on this board um, kind of played their hearts out today. Vic, you know, maybe maybe Victor would be the other guy I'd go for. But Rahm and Cam Young, it just feels like so unlikely that they do what Francesco Molinari did kind of thing. I, this is, I mean... This is unbettable for, for right now. So I've got, I've got, I, a, I agree. I've got a what sixty-five to one Cam Young ticket from before the event starts, which stinks. I've got my Victor Hovland ticket hanging around, which stinks. I will say there are you can find uh, markets without Brian Harmon in which Cam Young and John Rahm are co-favorites at plus two seventy-five. Victor Hovland's five fifty. Tommy Fleetwood's eight to one. That's kind of interesting. Or. There are a lot of really cool like matchups. So there's the matchup implications of you get Rahm and Victor in the same matchup, but also the idea that like Brian Harmon is so far ahead. What he has to do versus what Cam Young has to do. Like I would bet Cam Young in a matchup versus Brian Harmon because Brian Harmon like needs to do nothing. Yes. Cam Young needs to go do something. Right. If you fade Brian Harmon in the matchups. Let me see if I can find that matchup. Because he can cruise. You know, he's going to, when he gets on number three, he might intentionally miss that fairway. You know, like eight, number 18, he might intentionally miss that fairway. 
um, that you have, he's going to lay back when bunkers are in play, leave himself long shots into greens. Cause that, that those are the things that he has to avoid in order to win. So I think that's a very, very wise idea. Cam Young is um, minus, minus 135 over Brian Harmon. Sure. Snap that up. Find so, it. do you like that better than uh, Brian Harmon to win outright right now? Minus 200. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, Because if I'm going to go with that, that's a pretty good point. Uh, I might just go Brian Harmon to win. This stinks. This is just stinks. <laughs> At least I've got some st- like, you know, the Saturday night betting options are not are not great. Yeah, it's a good point. If I'm going to lay minus 135, should I just lay the minus 200 and bet? Right. Uh, at the same time, if you have to go, you feel like you got to go crazy, you make the big number likelihood is a lot higher for Cam Young. I would, I'm, how about bogey free rounds? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find anything to like get in on for tomorrow. I'm telling you, I, I think Sep. I think you throw a, a couple units on uh, on Seppi to Seth win Straka outright. 50, 55 to one. It's not bad. He's sixteen to one without Brian Harmon. Also not bad. That's actually, yeah. That's, I mean, he's so he, he would be quote two off the lead. He'd be two off the lead at sixteen to one. He's playing great. He's played really well on that back nine. And also, like, what's sick about betting that is it doesn't even like if 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 even if you were, and I know Sep Straka's won a couple times, but if you had questions of whether Sep Straka could win or not, in his brain, it's not a win, right? Because he's right. like he's right, he's just he doesn't ever look up at the leaderboard and say, Oh, I'm leading in this market because it doesn't include Brian Martin. No. <laughs> right. He's never, I mean, maybe in a way he is because he's trying to get second, but that pressure is totally different. Yeah. Right. That's... I'm trying to earn as, it's like a money game now, trying to win as much money as I can. That's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll mix it up and see, see what's going on out there. Uh, any final thoughts, Greg, before we get out of here this time in 24 hours, we'll know. Oh, and we'll be a full nine years since we're in McElroy's Water Masters. Yeah. Or maybe. And I'm um, pretty pretty certain that's gonna be c- true oh so that's yeah very brave of you greg yeah very brave yeah i don't think rory mcelroy is gonna win tomorrow um look i i hope it gets interesting tomorrow uh we'll see what happens with the wind but lastly i just think brian Harmon's game is so perfect to play with a five shot lead he's built for it i think he's gonna be really hard to catch and I almost think the more difficult the conditions, the more difficult it is to catch him because he'll be able to make pars. I trust his ability to do that, whether it's 30 mile an hour wind or five mile an hour wind. So I think it's uh, going to be tough on everybody out here. Um, but I'm but I'm happy to see Brian Harmon playing so well because, you know, he closes this deal out. He is absolutely the deserving champion golfer of the year. Champion golfer of the year. We'll know in 24 short hours. We'll be back to talk about it when that final putt drops or probably like 15 minutes after because we got stuff to do. And then we'll come here and talk all about it. 
Big thanks to producer Josh as all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme is available on Twitter at the real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.